You're listening to The Nerd Table on CKCC Radio, starring Dan Peck. Have you seen the card for the New Japan show tomorrow? It's going to be sweet. Eric Flores. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, go ahead. And CKCC Radio's founder, Chris O'Mealy. Breaking news. I have a crush on Sasha Banks. Listen to CKCC Radio wherever you find your favorite podcast. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Nerd Table on this special edition. This is the We All Caught Something and Feel Like Crap edition. Well, two of us do. Can't speak for the third one just yet. I'm Chris. I caught what feels like a really bad cold, possibly fluish type symptoms that I didn't get very heavily. I don't know, but I'm super congested and can barely hear. So hopefully you can all hear me just fine because I can't hear you. Eric, how are you feeling, buddy? Well, I finally cleaned something and I feel like I caught something. So I'm never doing that again. (laughs) That's a life lesson right there. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, some of the stuff that I clean involves, like, furnace equipment, and this is was a fryer, but it's basically just a miniature furnace, and all that ash and stuff that builds up on the inside went everywhere, and, uh, well, I just wasn't prepared for it, I wasn't ready for it, and it, I, just, I got, like, uh, all that shit in my lungs and whatnot, so, yeah. So you just, what? you feel like Ash is what you're saying. I feel like Ash catch him. <laughs> the dumbest kid from Palatown. <laughs> Dan, how are you feeling? Uh, it's been cold here, so it's been <laughs> awkward. Was... It's, currently, it's currently 48. Today's high was 53. So it's not like, you know, middle of winter freezing cold, but for here, that's pretty cold. You know what? Funny story. It snowed not too long ago. <laughs> Welcome to Michigan. I was like, I mean, I'm used to this. I'm not used to the snow. Let me, let me rephrase that. I have seen snow, but it's always been like late December slash like January. But the fact that it just, just turned November and it snowed where I was working at. And I was like, holy fuck. I moved way too far north. All right. Anyway, uh, so what's what's new in everybody's lives? I finally got Metroid Dread. Oh, yeah? I've been playing the shit out of it, and I'm so lost, and I fucking love it and hate it at the same time. Because I, I know for a fact that I can go to the internet and figure out what, what I'm doing. But I am destined to relive my childhood days of trying to just figuring it out on my own. I want the authentic super metroid feel i mean I, I know it's not super metroid but like you remember playing the game and just trying to figure it out on your own is it metroidvania the, the metroid uh metroid uh dread yeah it's yeah, it's metroid. it's not like prime oh the worst was the original legend of zelda on nes you didn't have anything no anything where anything was the instruction the booklet. Power. The instruction booklet told you how to get to the first two dungeons. After that, you were on your own. Ugh, yeah. so difficult. It's dangerous. Take this, bitch! I need a map. <laughs> Give me a map. 
there are speedrunners who will c- complete the game without ever getting the sword. Oh, yeah. I've seen people, like, beat the game of bombs and whatnot. And I'm like, how the hell do you get bombs without a sword? <laughs> That's some hardcore dedication there. Have you seen the some of the speedrunners, like the original Super Mario Brothers? Where the guy has his jumps timed perfectly over the piranha plants as they're coming out that he knows exactly how to get over them without getting killed? Yeah, Have you seen, ridiculous. like, the Mario 64 speedruns? Where it's all about how many times you actually press A? Yeah, it's it's a glitch. They glitch the and there's And there's a way to, like, only half press it? Yeah. It's, oh, gl- it's glitch stuff, and I don't like that. <laughs> I'm impressed with legitimate speedruns, not the people who glitch their way through the game. So you're one of those uh, speedrun 100% completionists, though. Not, not non-glitch runs. Non-glitch runs. What do you think is more important, beating the game or 100%ing it? It depends on the game. I think, for instance, what's that game that um, that came out not too long ago where you're in a barrel, or a, a cauldron, rather, and you have, like, a mining pick? Uh... I don't know. Fuck. I think it really depends on the game. I feel like... <laughs> I was going to say it was Minecraft? <laughs> no, because... The Witcher, for, uh, for instance, if you can 100% it, then kudos on you, because that's I a lot of I played that for well over 100 hours, and I don't think I 100%ed it. Exactly. So, like, 100% on that is more impressive than a speedrun... I beat the game this fast. But I think that game is like Skyrim, where like there's people who are just finding side quests now, all these years later. Yeah. <laughs> what was the first game you ever truly 100%ed that you actually know for a fact that you 100%ed? Like, for me, the first one that comes to mind was back on the 360 when you could get 100% for achievements, right? So you knew you did everything in the game. Well, you knew you did everything that there was an achievement for. And yeah. then also, because of trophies and achievements, 100%ing a game changed. Because changed. Yes. now there's all the achievements and trophies to get as well. The one that I remember, the first one I did on the Xbox 360, was Bully Scholarship Edition. I even remember what the final achievement was. You're like... It's, it's, it's one of the mini-games. Like, you're like playing dodgeball or something. But it's not dodgeball. It's a different name of a game. You have to, like, throw the ball and the kid taunts you. But it wasn't... I I don't remember what it was called. I have my complete list. Thanks to True Achievements and (laughs) TrueTrophies.com. I did the thing where, uh... I did the one thing where, like, I would rent games that had easy 100% achievements in them just to get my gamer score up. But And I would... Two of the ones that stand out was there was a Ninja Turtles game, but it was also really fun because you could hundred percent you could hundred percent it just by beating the game, and then there was only like one extra thing to do at the end, which was like complete a stage without taking damage, which you could do on the tutorial stage pretty easily. And I was just like, okay, but this is actually fun. And then there was another one called. Um, Sherlock Holmes versus Jack the Ripper. 
which was a point-and-click detective game that ended up being way more fun than I thought it was going to be. There was the King Kong game that was actually pretty good, and that was if you beat the game, you got all the trophies. Oh, and then there's the infamous Avatar: The Last Airbender game. I don't know which one it was, which one it was, but it was essentially if you ran into a corner and spammed one of your wind attacks, in five minutes you'll have all the trophies. Yeah, I did that one too. I did I, not do that one. I rented that game. I spammed it. I was like, "Well, we guess we're done," and I never even completed the first level. All right, you want my list here of uh, all the games on. Xbox 360, of which I've gotten all the achievements. Just do, like, regular games, not like the the arcade stuff where... Okay. It's like, Fine, then. Like Assassin's Creed 2. Nice. That's a good yeah. one. The hardest thing was tracking down all of the feathers that your brother wanted for your mother. Oh, I thought and... the hardest thing was getting it to run properly on PC, but... Yeah, oh. well, I played on 360. <laughs> As the Lord intended. Uh, also, when, and what your mother gives you in return is a cape with your family flag on it, which if you wear it, it makes you immediately highest one level in every city. So it's not very useful. I got all the trophies, all the achievements for Borderlands, including all the DLC. I got all the trophies for Borderlands too, but I don't think all, I don't think all the DLC. I think what's sad is the only game that I 100%ed doesn't have an achievement system, and I'm sad about it. Clive Barker's Jericho, which is not a good game, but I have all the achievements for it. That's a link to the past. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Finding all the fucking hearts, that was a pain in the ass. Oh, yeah, I've done that. Link's Awakening, too. I could not get all the uh, shells in Link's Awakening. That, I think that's the only thing that I was missing. Well, you don't, there are shell. no more shells once you get the, the sword upgrade. So if you upgraded the sword, then you were done with the quest. Really? Yeah, because the shells disappear. I have 100%ed two <laughs> games that... See? <laughs> You don't it's have to te- 100% to 100%. It's a technicality, but I'll take it, damn it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Dead Island. Oblivion. Elder Scrolls. LA, yeah, L.A. Noir. Lego you Batman. You got 100% in L.A. Noir? Yeah, it's not that hard. That game was hard in general. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I... I learned that I would suck as an interrogator. Well, actually, his eyes... Where you just look it up. (laughs) His eyes darted in a different direction, so you missed 12 steps in this process. You son of a... Fine. Fine. I'm not going to detect a school. Fine. Now, here comes the Lego games. Lego Batman 2, DC Superheroes. Lego Harry Potter, Lego Harry Potter. Lego Marvel Superheroes. Madden NFL 08. WWE, SmackDown vs. Raw 10, SmackDown vs. Raw 11, WWE 12. Everything else is arcade or was arcade. I got 100% in one of the WWE games, and I remember it was the one where you had to, like, hit 
like 1500 finishers or something ridiculous and i just spammed the undertaker's druid for like an hour and a half and i remember i talked to mike simsack on the phone while i did it i was a day off i literally just sat on the living room floor just hitting the button over and over again and i talked to my friend on the phone to avoid tediousness now for ps4 because ps4 playstation 3 but we're based in fight five they give you the platinum trophy to actually let you know you done did the thing and mine are fallout 4 watch dogs 2 marvel's spider-man spider-man far Far cry 3 days gone Elder Scrolls Skyrim Special Edition, Marvel's Avengers for PS4, and Marvel's Avengers for PS5. Damn. Because once you load up for PS5, it loaded up, and it was like, oh, hey, you've got all these achievements in the PS4 version. Here they are on PS5 as well. So I loaded that up that game, and two minutes later, I had the Platinum. Is that cheating? I feel like that's cheating. But it's also how they set it up, so it's not cheating. I'll allow it. (laughs) I mean, this is coming from the guy who rented Avatar just to spam the controls and get a thousand more points on his gamer score, so. I mean, is it as intended? Well, I also feel like I missed out on a good era of video games because there was a period where I was only playing games to get achievements, and I stopped enjoying the games at that time because I was surrounded by a couple of our gamer friends at the time who made it seem like this big pissing contest was actually something important. And to some degree, it can be. But then I realized, you know, I was taken... Actually, I think it was Mike was one of the people I was taking shit from. Like, oh, your gamer score is so shit. I'm just like, all right, fine, I'll, I'll jack it up. And then I, I got to that point where I'm like, why am I doing this to impress people who don't give a shit? And I'm never going to catch up to them anyway because they play m- way more games than I do and have way more time to play games than I do. So Only I started, Rob had more points than me. Rob was, at one point, Rob was like top 50 in the world, so... Yeah, at one point, Rob was getting pretty much every notable game. Yeah, our friend Rob, Eric... He uh, mean, not Rob? No, 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 not him. Oh. Um, our old podcasting partner, Pat, his brother. He, at one point, had one of the top 50 gamer scores in the world on Xbox. That's, that's pretty nuts. Yeah, because it, it just how... That's all he would do is just play games. Yeah, he would work at A&P, and that would give him enough money to... To buy new games. whatever bills he had, and then buy pretty much any notable game when it came out. And he literally played everything. And he traded everything back in to get more stuff. Once he was done with a game, he traded in to get the next game. Which I did that for a while, too, so... I uh, make friends with the people at GameStop because they won't yell at you when you keep coming back, returning a game after three days, and getting your $20 back and getting another game. You were essentially renting with the same $20 that you paid a month ago. (laughs) <laughs> but they also don't mind that because they can sell those used games and still make profits off of them. So, especially as if you're friendly. Yeah, exactly. And, and nice to them and they like you. And, and speaking 
Speaking You'll be surprised how far you can get. Yeah, speaking of GameStop, do we have a segue for this? <clears throat> well, I guess that is the segue. So I picked up Metroid Dread from uh, GameStop, and they have the uh, the subscription thing you guys know already. But they had changed it up this time. This they're just like if you become like one of their members or whatever, you can get five dollars off every month off of anything in the store, and that includes. Like, if you have a Nintendo account, you can just get five bucks put onto your Nintendo account. So, really? yes. So I signed up. Like, the initial cost up front was 20 bucks. But you're going to get way more than fucking $20 by the end of the year. And well, you're essentially going to get $5 into your Nintendo account every month. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean... You could just spend it at uh, GameStop if there's something you wanted to pick up that day or whatever or that month, but you have to you have to be there to get it within the month, or else you just lose it. So, um, I thought that was fucking kick ass, and it was a badass deal. And the guy was like, if you have nothing, he he was he pretty much point blank. He's like, if there's nothing in the store that you want to buy, come in anyway, and just tell us that you want like Nintendo credit, and then you could just add it onto your account. So you can do that for like Xbox or Nintendo. Though he says the only one that's really difficult is PlayStation because they have that you know bullshit that's going on or whatever. But if you have an Xbox or if you have uh, a Switch or a Nintendo console, because I know that some people still have 3DSs, you can do this. You just go over. You give them your fifteen dollars if you want the all digital membership, or twenty dollars if you still want like the uh, Game Informer magazine mailed to your house. And then you get $5 off that first purchase that when you do that, and $5 a and month. And get them to just pay for my PC Game Pass? Yeah, I'm basically going to do that. I'm going to have them pay for like my Nintendo account, like uh, my Nintendo Live account or whatever. Just have it stack up in there. Because I'm a physical game collector anyway, but there's still certain games that don't come out physically. You can only get them digitally. So this is a good option. Or if you like Nintendo Online, if you wanted to do that, that's guaranteed. So you can do that, get your magazine for free, use it in the store if you really want to. And if you don't, you can always like just buy the Nintendo Online. I thought it was a kick-ass deal. Anyway, I was pretty excited about that. That and I was also getting Metroid, so I was pretty excited about that too. Yeah, it's Metroid completely kicking your ass. So, Metroid is like. I, this is one of those things where I thought I found the bosses to be entertaining. They're fun. They're not overly difficult. There's a section of the game where the normal enemies are, to me, are more difficult than the fucking bosses. And mm. the dread part, if I don't know if you followed it at all. There's these robots that are hunting Samus. I'm not going to say why, because that's part of the story. But they're virtually indestructible, and if they catch you, you have a very slim chance to break free and try to run away again, or you just die. Indestructible. It's not even a one-hit kill. It's a cutscene of you dying. <laughs> that, that's how it rolls. <laughs> uh, the, dude, the uh, 
you don't you don't watch The Simpsons enough to appreciate that reference, but Dan might have gotten it. One of my all-time favorite Simpsons jokes is when Mr. Burns finds out he has every disease on the planet. He goes to the he goes to the health spa, right? Like no, he goes to like the Betty Ford Clinic or something, doesn't he? He goes to like yeah, he he goes to like a really good place, like the best doctors in the world. And he's like, doctor, please shake my hand for my good bill of health. He's like, yeah, we're not going to do that. He's like, you're the sickest man in America. You have everything. He's like, you mean I have pneumonia? Yes. Juvenile diabetes? Yes. Hysterical pregnancy? Yeah, a a little bit, yes. We've even found several diseases that only just now have been discovered inside you. He's like, this sounds like bad news. Well, you'd think so, but... And he pulls out the little, the little, uh, the little, um, the little door frame and all the novelty germs. And he tries to push them through and they all get stuck in the door and he's doing three stooges sounds. He's like, this is what happens when all the germs try to enter your body at the same time. And of course, Mr. Burns is like, so what you're saying is I'm indestructible. He's like, no, 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 no. In fact, even a slight breeze could. And Burns just walks out going indestructible. (laughs) And that became a running joke that we would have when I was working at my last warehouse job. We would just, me and my one coker would just walk up to each other and I would just be like, hey, so what you're saying is I'm indestructible. And he would always respond with, no, 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 even a slight breeze could. And I would just walk away, indestructible. And we did that all the time because we're nerds. But as soon as you, every time I hear that freaking word, that's what I always think of is that scene from The Simpsons. Because I have a Simpsons quote for every occasion. I, I want to make a challenge to the group at one point. But it has to be on a live episode, so I have no time to prepare. Where people give me, like, a scenario where I can find a Simpsons reference to go with it. Uh, we have to, Next time we have a live episode, we have to do that. Challenge accepted by me from the challenge I made to myself. Anyway, uh, what was what were we talking about? GameStop and Metroid and robots and Samus? Just having good times with games again. It's been, I feel like it's been a while since I've actually enjoyed a video game. It's what's, been a while. What's the hardest game you ever played? What's the hardest game you remember playing that like was just so freaking hard that... And I mean hard in a good way, not in a the controls suck and are broken and the game's challenge is unfair way. Um, hmm. I already know my answer. Well, what's your answer? Battletoads. Battletoads? Okay. Okay. Yeah, but I never got past, like, level three, so... The challenge was fair with the... The controls were fluid... But what made Battletoads harder was that if you played with a friend, you could attack each other, which defeats the whole purpose of co-op, which meant you could knock each other down pits, and that's what we always did to each other. (laughs) And then your one friend started doing it on purpose. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of games that were just hard, yet fun. I feel like any fighting game, period. I like the smart ones like Witcher 3 where it's about preparing for your battle, right? Yeah. So it's like if you are pretty sure you're going to face this kind of monster, there's ways to prepare. There's there's things that you can learn. So you'll know 
what magic to use and what way to treat your sword and which sword to use and what potion to drink before you have the fight. I agree with you. I, I, I'm, this is going to sound like a cop-out, but I'm going to have to say the hardest game for me was Witcher 2 because I played Witcher 2 before Witcher 3, but it was my first Witcher game. I had no idea what I was coming into, and I thought it was going to be like a hack-and-slash type game, and boy, was I fucking wrong. I made it to the first town, and that was it. Like I made it to the first fucking town, and I couldn't kill anything. And I was like, well, this game is fucking garbage. <laughs> and I had to revisit it later because I wasn't in the right uh, right mindset to play a Witcher game. But if you play it smart, it's relatively simple if you play it right. What are the Arkham games? Like the Arkham the games Arkham. were hard, but they were also fun. Yeah. That's the well, other that was thing, also right? About, like, Thinking about what you do before you do it and stuff like that. So there was a there was a gamer friend that used to always start arguments with me. I'm not even gonna say friend. This is just a guy that we knew. Uh, I won't say his name, but he's from the land down under, Dan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. We only know like one person from Australia, and this is who I'm talking about. And I remember. I remember it was it was over Super Mario Maker. I was talking about how I was looking for levels to play, and he kept sending me, like, those impossible levels. And I'm like, dude, stop sending me these. I'm not playing those. And he's like, oh, what's the matter? Are you just, like, terrified of challenge in a video game? I'm like, no. He's like, is this why you won't ever take my recommendation to play Dark Souls? I'm like, no. It has nothing to do with it. I play games to have fun, right? Yes, I want a challenge when I play a game, but if I'm openly looking for a challenge, then I'm going to look for a game that has a challenge that I want. When I hear about the reputation of Dark Souls and people rage quitting because the game is so impossibly difficult, that doesn't sound like fun to me. That doesn't sound like something I want to conquer. That sounds like something I want to avoid. I'm like, these Mario Maker levels, they make it so you have to perform extremely impossible timed jumps on... And the tiniest, slightest move throws you off, and you, you die instantly. And I'm like, that's not fun for me. He's like, but it's challenging. I'm like, no, here's what's challenging. World 8 in a Mario game is challenging because it's beatable. It's beatable by regular gamer skills. You've been training the whole way through the game to make it to this point. You don't have to do impossible jumps and have all kinds of extra reflexes to beat it. The games are beatable. They're just challenging. I said, these people are intentionally making it harder than it needs to be. And some people like that. And I don't take anything away from people who like that. But you can't shit on somebody because that's not their idea of a fun game and a fun challenge. You know, it's like that whole, the whole stereotype about gamers where it's like, oh, well, People who play video games on easy aren't real gamers. I'm like, people who play video games on easy are generally people who want to enjoy the story and want to learn the controls. I always play games the first time around on an easier setting, and then I always go back and play it on a harder setting if I had fun playing it. The Arkham game was a perfect example. Arkham, uh, the first one, Arkham Asylum. Asylum? Yes. The first time I played it, I played it on easy. 
and I beat the game, and I had a fun with it. So I went back and I played it on normal to get the extra challenge out of it, because now I knew what I was doing, and I was able to go back and beat it on hard. I never beat it on the most ins- insane difficulty, but I was able to beat it on those other difficulties, and I had fun doing it. Now, granted, when I was playing it on easy, I was new to the game, I wouldn't know what to expect, and I did kind of regret it a little bit later that I didn't pick a harder difficulty, but I went back and did it. So when City came out, I actually started it on normal, and then... I appreciate games that give you the option to change the difficulty in the middle of the game. Where if you find it, it's way too easy. You could just bump up the difficulty. I do like that, yeah. And not all. I wish more games did that. Uh, the, one of one of my favorite Super Nintendo games was actually the Tiny Toon Adventures games that they released. Buster Bust Loose. It's a really fun platformer, but it's it's a Konami game. So if you play it on easy, it's way too easy. And if you play it on normal, you start running into bullshit immediately because <laughs> that's how Konami rolls. But I'll give you an example. If you play through the first level, which is the the school, and you're playing it on easy, there's no boss battles. You just beat the level. And then you do a Wild West stage, but without the, the final challenge, which is a train portion, if you're playing it on easy, you just skip and you go right to the, the Haunted Castle. And I'm like, all right, this isn't fun. So I put it on normal difficulty, but then I always struggle to beat that Western part because it has a lot of timing issues that are hard to get down. Like... Nets pop up, and if you get caught in the net, you instantly lose a life. So I hated games that were like, well, if you want to continue, you got to up the difficulty. You only have half the story or two thirds of the story. If you want the whole story, you got to get good. Remember uh, Shadows of the Empire? If you beat it on easy, Dash Rendar dies. But if you beat it on any difficulty after that, you realize he actually lives, and you're like, well, that's that's just mean. <laughs> so all the little kids who played this game. Think Dash Rentar's dead. <laughs> That's just not cool, bro. That's funny. I like it. And of course you have Bubble Bobble, which is like, huh, you beat it on single player? <laughs> You're a friendless loser. This isn't the real ending. You need a friend to beat this game and get the real ending. And that's just mean, too. What if I was a friendless loser back in the day? What if I'm still a friendless loser now? I mean, I got no IRL friends. I'm talking to two of my best friends right now, and they don't live anywhere close to me. Yeah, we're not too far. We're like 14 hours apart. Now, you're closer than that, but you're not close enough. My nearest best friend there is like... Might be Chris, actually. The people I play D&D with live in Cincinnati, so that's... Yeah, you, know, you take a different turn. <clears throat> that m- that might actually be relatively equal distance from you, because it's different directions. I don't know. I don't know if I'm in the mood for a geography lesson this week. Although I will proudly say that I have successfully memorized the lyrics to Wacko's America and can now sing it on command. So that's a thing. Well, you can't just say that and not. Well, I, I'm not. I'm not going to do it on. on first, <laughs> we'll wait for a live stream, and then I'm. Gonna be it like, should be a live stream, so yeah, it should be a live stream, so you can catch me off guard, so I don't have time to prepare and like. Because I also can't prove I'm not reading lyrics right now on an audio podcast, so there's no point in doing it. I can also sing their president song, which is how I memorized the presidents in order. Of course, their president song stops at Clinton, but. 
it's really not that hard to name the presidents after Clinton because there's only four of them. And if you don't, then you and just... We and were, we've all been adults when they were president. <laughs> exactly. So pretty... Sh- I participated in those elections, so I'm pretty sure... I, mean, I didn't participate in the first one, but all the ones after that, yeah. Well, Bush 1 I wasn't old enough for. Bush yes. 2 I was old enough for, and I did participate Bush, in that one. Bush 1? I missed being able to vote by five weeks. <laughs> oh, that's actually kind of bull. Yeah, because it's in the beginning of November, and I'm in the middle of December. All I just remember was I was I was the November kid who had the early birthday. So I was able to get my driver's license before almost everyone else in my high school. I remember, like, in first or second grade telling some kid, some kid had his birthday, and he was acting all big shit. And I'm like, dude, I'm older than you are. And he's like, how are you older than I am? My birthday's in March. Yours is in December. And I was I'm just like, you're fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, you were born in 83, moron. I was born in 82. <laughs> oh. Oh. that's This is how that works. Good lord. Oh, my god. Yeah, the, uh... Well, this is why you went to school, kid. It's like, which comes first, 12 a.m. or 12 p.m.? Well, I, I guess it depends on what time it is. No, it <laughs> oh, my God. Just just friggin' wild. Uh, so real quick, since we are talking about video games uh, and we're releasing this episode before Extra Life takes place, 4 p.m. Saturday, November the 6th, on twitch.tv slash ckcconline. I will put the link in the description of this episode. So you guys on the last day where we can say Eastern Standard Time, because at two in the morning the next day, it becomes daylight time. It, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, but you knew what I meant. Uh, we're gonna play Among Us and we're gonna murder each other <laughs> to raise money to help the Children's Miracle Network because you know what says helping kids <laughs> like being de- devious, deceiving little bastards, murderers. Murderers! And uh, I was going to save the shout-out portion and try to shout-out all the people who are doing it with me this year, but we've already shouted some of them out, and I also don't want to shout-out somebody who then no-shows on me. So, but I will say we do have we do have a list of confirmed participants other than just myself. Uh, Dan will be playing at least for a little bit. We have The Fiend, we have Jay Winger, we have Brian as Mancubus, we have Not Rob, we have Hannah Banana, our friend Miranda's going to play for the first time, I don't know what her nickname's going to be, so I can't say it. My friend Vivian's going to play, who I think she just plays as Vivian. Uh, I've got some interest expressed from some other contenders, including Kyle. I believe Jay said he's bringing his friend Zeke. I believe Jackpot is on board. And I have reached out to our friend Alurize, and he left me on red. So, knowing him the way I know him, he may actually show up. He's just not going to say he's going to be there. He'll just show up and be like, so. You know what? That sounds kind of sus. That sounds very sus. But it'll be a fun group, and there is room for other players. I do know I've seen a couple of people who have never played with us before who are posting about how much they love the game. Well, this is your chance to have a bit of fun with us and do something good for charity. Eric, I'm sorry you're going to be missing out on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be... Yeah, how, Pat and Oswald. 
Uh, I was going to say, have fun in Detroit, but at least you're not working. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with Patton Oswalt. I love Patton Oswalt. I saw him live once, and he was... I mean, it was just a, it was just a set because he was part of the whole comedy tour, but he was friggin' hysterical! I, I feel like I'm going to have fun watching him. The only thing is, like, where he's at is next to the Fox Theater, and getting in and out of that area is a fucking nightmare. Find somewhere to park and Uber the rest of the way. That's literally how I what I did in Philadelphia. And because it was worth it to pay the extra money to Uber so I didn't have to deal with the city traffic. Well, the thing is we already paid for the parking. Oh, well okay. <laughs> but that is not a bad idea and I will I will bring that to Rebecca's attention next time. Because I think we're gonna like... go see um Trevor Noah in April. That should be a good show, too. Yeah. It's like um, going to a stadium that doesn't have its own parking. It, uh-huh. Like, if it's in the middle of the city, like when I went to the Metrodome, what they do is they essentially, it's in the middle of downtown Minneapolis, and what they do is they don't have their own parking. What they do is they essentially, uh, all the high-rise businesses and stuff, they just go, well, you could use their parking structure that's a mile away <laughs> and walk to the stadium is essentially what we had to do. A mile doesn't seem that far until you have to walk it. <laughs> well, thankfully, like I was, I had my college buddy when I did that. I would probably die if I had to do that now. Dude, even if I had my college body, I still wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to, but that's what I did. I was always a f- I was actually a fan of what they did with uh, Eastern State, even though we didn't take advantage of it because we Ubered from the hotel. But they actually had a designated parking lot, and they would shuttle you to and from. And that's not a bad idea. Of course, you know what the problem with that is, is you have to wait for the shuttle to arrive, make sure you cr- cram onto it, make sure you actually get a seat. And then, you know, all the other crap that comes with it, so... I think I would prefer to do what we did, because when you take the Uber, you get dropped off right at the front, and you walk right in. My wife's planning on going down to Disney in January, and she's like, I'm just going to take Ubers to the parks, because it's probably going to be cheaper in the long run to not pay for Disney parking, plus they drop you off right at the front gate. Yeah, right at the gate. Right at the gate, so you just walk right in. So, haha, all y'all get fucked, I'm walking right in. It's a way to go. I mean, and yeah, like Uber is definitely, um, can definitely. Don't get stuck like those people at WrestleMania that year in New York, where there's literally 100,000 people walking out and they're all trying to get the same 10 Ubers. Oh, yeah. In the middle of the rain. Well, yeah, exactly. Don't. (laughs) I mean, that would obviously suck, but. I mean, but, like, for us, it was easy because when we left, there wasn't, like, a mass exit because we were leaving before close. So we had an Uber right away. We also walked down the road and made the pickup spot, like, a Rite Aid, which made it easier because he didn't have to deal with any of the other traffic going on in front of the venue. And all we did was pretty much walk a block. So not hard. 
Not that difficult. You can pull it off. Yeah, but, I wish I would have thought of it. Well, you know what? You've been educated for next time. And the next time you're planning something like this, if you're going to make a whole trip out of it, you should contact our friend Adrian Cotton and use his business. Maybe get a discount, Eric. Bravo, sir. It's you. Bravo. <laughs> you know what? If you mention you, you heard the ad here, <laughs> you might win that win that trip. You could win that trip, too. EmersonCotton.IntelliTravel.com. Check out Motivational Vacations. Give our friends some business. You don't pay anything for his service because he operates on commission. And he enjoys doing this. You have nothing to lose by booking your next vacation with our friend Adrian Cotton, who, by the way, has a birthday coming up. Happy birthday, buddy. Has a birthday coming up? Chris. You know how I remember Adrian's birthday? Same day as yours. Thanksgiving? It's the same day as mine. Yeah, your birthday is also uh, the date we're getting a new season of WWE Supercard. Oh, well, happy birthday to you, Dan. That's my gift to you. Oh, I will I will celebrate that, that day later that day. <laughs> but I'm not... I'm not... A new season of what? WWE Supercard. It's a phone game. Oh. Yeah, well, I don't buy the video games anymore, so you're not going to be able to get the free code from me. Oh, that the video game wasn't coming out until March anyway, because they fucked up. Oh. And they fucked up. Oh. And then they fucked up. And then they fucked up. So, so regular right. video game development, then? There hasn't been a mainline WWE game since 2019! <laughs> yeah, the 2021 got... Yeah, 2020 was the last one. 2021 got canceled because of COVID. And it got canceled because they ain't got shit, and they needed more time anyway. <laughs> and then this year came around, and they're like, it's not going to be ready until March. Which, you know what? That's probably a good thing for them because we just got another 18, I think, wrestlers released Jesus yesterday. <laughs> yeah, so they I'm not going to make like uh, a season game, right, where you could just purchase new wrestlers when they come out as DLC. I know that's a terrible idea, and I wish I didn't say that out loud. Uh, they do they already. do because there's wrestlers that come in that are notable that they didn't get first time around. I do miss, like, I, I, I know I'm not big into wrestling, but I did play a lot of wrestling games, and I thought they were a lot of fun. I really do like creating my own, like, person and going in there and either, like, having custom moves or stealing other people's moves. I remember doing the Undertaker Tombstone move, taking mm-hmm. that as my finisher or whatever on a few of these games. I thought they were a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite wrestling game? <clears throat> Probably No Mercy on the N64 or WrestleMania yes. 2000. Those games were just fun because they were they were simple to play and they they weren't bogged down by the modern the modern era like get all your graphics and everything in so you could have up to thirty guys in a Royal Rumble at once. The modern games you can fill up the ring with eight guys and then the game runs out of memory and you have to actually eliminate someone before the game will send you somebody else. Which is good because for like 15 years, that was limited to six people. It was limited to six. <laughs> Eight's actually an improvement. Plus, you could also set whatever you wanted. So you could have like 40 guys in a first blood Royal Rumble. So instead of throw someone over the top rope, you made them bleed. And you could have like 40 people doing that. 
So you just run around cracking people with weapons until they so play. Yeah, it's, for me, it's WWE Games No Mercy. WCW would be uh, Revenge. And then outside of those, like an outside game, they would have to be uh, Fire Pro Wrestling World. Fire Pro Wrestling is just cool because it's just an old school fun arcade game. But you, when you play it on the PC, you have an unlimited number of wrestlers you can download because they get downloaded right to your PC memory. And they only take like, they're only like a couple of bits of memory. So you can have like a roster of 2,000 wrestlers if you really want. And they, people make everybody. It's deep in its, in, in its simplicity. It's crazy. You can have every wrestler in history plus like Power Rangers and Rick and Morty and Marty McFly. And like, you just go apeshit with what people make. And the so gra- it's very arcadey. Right, and the graphics the graphics are like Super Nintendo based. It's sprite based. So even though it looks simple, it looks good because we've had this discussion of how good sprite based games look. Yeah, because it's it's an artistic choice and it will always it will just outlast everything. Because you're not trying to make things look super realistic. I mean, like, there's a reason why I can only play a handful of original PS one and N sixty four games. Yeah, let's not talk about it. I love Final <laughs> Fantasy VII, but I look at Final Fantasy VII now, and I'm just like, oh, you are rough. I, I see some of those games now, and I'm like, why did I not have, like, a freaking seizure back then? Holy shit. Right? Remember, everybody was it's like... It's just jaggies and flashing at me all the time. Like, why did I not? It's because it's, our imaginations took over most of that shit. We just like look at that jagged line. That's supposed to be a leg. Oh, she's hot. <laughs> look, remember Laura Croft from Tomb Raider? Triangles, baby. Well, that's like the, the thing I said before. Yeah, where triangles. There's more. There's more stuff in the android chick's ass in Naira Automata than there is in all of Ocarina of Time. There's more polygons in her ass. Yeah, probably. Remember being blown away by Ocarina of Time when it first came out, and now the graphics have advanced so much that all you're just like is, God, I just want them to HD remaster this bitch. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to lie. When I saw the uh, Ocarina of Time on Unreal 4... I was yeah. Like, oh god. I know this is fake, but I want it to be real so bad. Have you seen people remake like Mario 64 in the Unreal Engine? And it just looks I, amazing. I've seen the models, but I haven't seen any of the stages or anything like that. Yeah. And Link to the Past, somebody did Link to the Past in Unreal, and it's the exact map layout from the game, but you're doing it from that third-person perspective. But you can still follow along with it really easily. I wonder how hard it is to learn how to like code a game, and we could just do that. Hmm. Well, it's one of those things where, like, if man, only we like, knew somebody actively coding a game right now. I know, right? <laughs> if only, if only we interviewed someone back on the third episode of this podcast who has experience doing these things. By the way, we should probably bring one or two of both of those guys back. I think we should. We we're we're due for a follow up there. Yeah, um, see where they're at with it. Especially since they recently <clears throat> recoded the whole darn thing to make it look better. So, yeah, so the whole WWE thing, they just released a bunch more people. They've been releasing people in mass. They've released, like, over 100 talents in the last two years. They have 
uh, released enough people to make two more complete wrestling. You could companies. make an entire yeah. You could make two whole wrestling companies, w- including like referees and announcers and stuff, with all the people that they've let go. And unfortunately, even though that we have a new company in the last couple of years, it's still we need like two more people. Well, yeah, because you can't you can't hire everybody. all these people because then you're not going to be able to use them all. That's the other problem. If you if you have 300 wrestlers under contract, but you can only get 20 of them on television a week, what do you do with the rest of them? Well, that's why you do the Lucha thing. Exactly. That's what happened to CMLL in the early days. They had so many good talents. That's why they started doing trios and atomicos, three-on-three and four-on-four matches all the time. Some of the releases were bullshit, but I just want to point out that two of the releases are were talentless, p- talentless pieces of shit. Uh, Chev, if you're listening to this, I know you love Eva Marie, but that girl was never talented in any capacity. She does not deserve to be there. Here's, here's the thing. And anybody out there who doesn't know shit about wrestling, you can appreciate where I'm coming from with this. There are people who go to the WWE to utilize that as their step to become famous and don't give a shit about wrestling as a business, right? But WWE eats that shit up because they just, all they care about is publicity. They want their people to be public, you know, it, oh, you can, you can get us good publicity and you're marketable and we can represent you with this thing. So they, they hire people like that. So yes, yeah, some of that is on them for hiring these people, but at the same time, they've hired like the, the, they infamously hired models out of lingerie catalogs, right? That's how the Bella twins came into, came into being. I ro- Johnny Ace in charge of talent with his Hawaiian Tropic. Yeah. He hired them out of a lingerie magazine, and then, in, in real life, he married their mom, so now he's their stepdad. <laughs> you can't... What? <laughs> I, can't, I can't with your wrestling stories. They're fucking wild. What is <laughs> Johnny Ace is a guy who sucked so bad he had to leave the country, and because he was a big white guy, he got over in Japan. Yeah, because Japanese, ta- Japanese fans love big white big wrestlers. White even if they're not that good. Yeah, dude, this, yeah, that was the thing, right? He literally hired them by finding them in like a, in like a, in some kind of modeling catalog. And then years later, he hooked up with their mom and married her. And now he's literally in the family of the girls that he hired out of a modeling catalog. And that's, that's a real, like, I'm not making any of this up either. That's the saddest part about this. No, wrestling's crazy enough that we don't have to make. You, you can't make up shit when it comes to wrestling. Like you can't make shit up because it's the these are the craziest assholes on the planet. One of my favorite stories is they were coming back from a t- tour in England, and a bunch of these drunken MMA fans were trying to start shit with the wrestlers and were like harassing them while they were getting off the bus at the hotel. You know, oh, it's you know, oh, you're fake, blah blah blah, just being assholes. And of course, they're all ignoring them. And one of their senior referees is like, guys, can you chill out, like, with the language and everything? And they sucker punched him. Well, the entire bus just emptied, and they just took every one of these guys down. And all I remember from the story is that one of them was, uh, one of the wrestlers, his name was Viscera. He was, like, 400-pound giant black dude. And all he did was just sit on a guy and giggle Mm -hmm. because the guy was literally crying for breath. And he was just giggling. And then Chris Benoit locked one of the guys in his crossface submission hold on the sidewalk. And Which just, is a legit 
legit judo hold. It's a legitimate <laughs> judo hold, and that messes your back up really bad. Because where, where all the pressure is is on your upper spine. You know how I know this? Because I've been in that hold, and it hurts like hell. Oh, wrestling holds are fake. Yeah, be in a couple of them. Tell me how fake they are. Some That's of them... the best thing is that they're real holds, but they do them in just a way it doesn't hurt at all. Uh, except it does. There's it, They can hurt. If you apply some yeah, of them well, correctly, they yeah, can hurt. Well, the good workers know how to do the real hold in a way that doesn't hurt you at all. Okay, so here's the thing. If you apply them correctly, they can hurt. If you apply them incorrectly, they can really hurt. And if they play them incorrectly, <laughs> that's an instant broken... <laughs> Yeah, it's instant broken. Or if you apply them really correctly, that's also an instant. Uh, the other but wrestler I mean, in the in the in the way that you should as a professional wrestler when I say correctly the first time. The other wrestler who got fired was Nia Jax. Yep, and that's a long time coming. She's The Rock's legitimate cousin, which is probably why she kept her job for way longer than she should have. She and, actively became a worse worker and was hurting people all the time. I'm not going to say the legitimate reason why she got fired because it could potentially open up a political debate and I'm not doing that on the show. But here's the thing. When you're actively hurting people, like legitimately putting people out of action because you're careless and stupid and you keep doing it, well, A, the company's at fault for not reprimanding her for it. But she also just developed this attitude where she didn't care. She was laughing about it and just hurting people. And she finally got fired, and I'm so happy that they got rid of her. And I hope she never wrestles again. I hope no one hires her. And I hope she just goes away entirely. Go find another profession, because you sucked at this one. So, those are are the two I just wanted to comment on, because I'm happy that they got fired. And that's the thing, right? Like, think think about something that you're passionate about, Eric. Think about something you're truly passionate about. And now think of somebody who's getting ahead of you in that field that you want that you want to do, and they're not doing it because they're interested in the field. They're doing it because they just want to reap the benefits that come with it, and they're being an asshole about it, but they're still getting surpassed from you so, because so they're... think of your regional manager when you worked at GameStop. Yeah, there you go. That asshole. There you go. <laughs> that, mine was awful. <laughs> Mine was a guy that he like he started from the bottom. Now he's here, but he never played a game. He never did anything. He's just he found the easiest job to get that he could get right to middle management as fast as possible, and that's exactly what he did. Well, the tray bullshit, tray bullshit. Uh, I really quickly want to comment on the new Animal Crossing update, not the DLC, because the DLC, I haven't actually tried it yet. I think it should be downloading today or tomorrow. But they did release a new update, and for people who know anything about the Animal Crossing history, they brought back a lot of characters. They brought back Brewster, Katrina, Cap'n, Tortimer, classic characters that were in the franchise. They gave you a lot more fun stuff to do on a daily basis, so they basically rejuvenated the entire game with this update and i've done some of the stuff and it's pretty fun one of the fun things you can do is you can cook and just make recipes and make food and i don't care if it's digital food i just love the idea of being able to make food and i want that recipe to make that giant pizza because i'm gonna make tons of them and make like a little pizza shop but one of my favorite things that they added 
is with this fortune teller, I just, this is something I literally just learned today. They can predict what your friendship level is with your neighbors. And there are goals you can get when your friendship levels get high. Like you can get photos of your neighbors and everything. It's a friendship goal. And it actually will help increase their friendship by going to the fortune teller. That's a neat little feature. But they added they added so much stuff that it's almost impossible to catalog everything that they did. But it's it's cool and it's making the fans happy. The DLC is going to be kind of fun too because you can go work on this remote island and... You can design vacation villas for all the different animals that show up there. And they'll just show up at random and be like, hey, here's an idea for it. You know, I want a cute house with this kind of a theme, but then you get to kind of choose what it is. And you get paid for your work, and then you get to buy rare items that you can only get by doing that. But you get to design other stuff. You get to design restaurants, schools, hospitals. And as soon as I heard you were going to get to design a restaurant, my immediate thought was, I'm going to make an old-timey pizza shop. That's what I need all those pizzas for. Like, because I see everybody designs the restaurant to be like this fancy sit-down eatery, right? With, like, you know, Japanese decorations, because I'm sure that's what the programmers came up with over there. But my thing was, no, I'm going to make a friggin' pizza arcade is what I'm going to make. You remember the Are pizza? The low-cal calzone zone? So everybody gets food poisoning from the calzones? No, because I don't want my wrestlers, my wrestlers, my animals to die! Goddamn Ben Wyatt and his friggin' calzones. I like calzones too, but I also really appreciate like how much they would shit on them in the game, in the, in the show, because I always just found that to be a funny running gag. You're that obsessed with calzones that it's the only thing you can talk about. Okay. Okay, Derry. Derry, okay. So there you go. There's so I've I've plugged a lot of stuff that I wanted to to talk about here. <clears throat> uh, before we get too deep into the show here, because like I said, Eric and I were both kind of feeling assy and not sure how long we were going to go. But I want to make sure we get our shout outs in. And I think our first shout out this week should be Mr. Adrian Cotton himself. Should we shout him out, Dan? Oh, the man himself? The man himself, yes. And the reason I want to give him the shout-out is not only is his birthday right around the corner, but he's a patron, and he's a sponsor. So he's probably our biggest financial backer as far as keeping the show alive, really. And I can't say enough good things about Mr. Cotton. He is He's a good friend that we met through the wrestling community. I don't remember the actual connection of how we connected with him. Like, I don't remember if he came from another group that was brought in. Because, you know, we had, like, waves of people who came in from different different cultures and everything. Or if he's just one of those guys that kind of found us. Do you remember, Dan? Because I do not. I don't remember when he showed up. I don't remember either. But but he's been really integral in, in everything we've done here. The theme song that you guys hear at the beginning of the episode, that was him. He does the voiceover for it as well, so you get to hear his voice. He hosts the Motivational Moves podcast. It releases the first of, I mean, the first Monday of every month. It's not the first of the month. It's the first Monday of every month. They're short episodes. They're usually less than 20 minutes long. And all he does is just pump you up to have the best month ever. So there's no reason not to listen to it. Like our friend Jeff Trelowitz, he's also a published author. AWO Big Time Players Episodes 1 and 2 are both available on the Amazon machine. 
And with his birthday coming up, wouldn't that be a great birthday gift for him to buy his book? I think that would be a great birthday gift. What do y'all think? If anybody out there is into wrestling and wasn't already familiar with this, I highly recommend you check these books out. They read like you're actually watching an episode of Monday Night Raw. But they're entertaining, unlike current Monday Night Raw. Wow. (laughs) I I said what I fucking said. Monday Night Raw sucks ass, and it has for a couple years now. There's there's no denying that. Uh, More than a couple. I'm being generous, Dan. I'm being generous. It's pretty much sucked ever since they went to a permanent three-hour format. I think that's safe. A permanent three-hour format? Yeah, it's three hours every week, and that's just too damn long for any show. Just too goddamn long. Um, They don't. They don't give a fuck. Because they're making a shit ton of money because of it for TV rates. Our next shout-out, let's do one that Eric can participate in. Eric, I'm going to give a shout-out to our friend Brittany. From Interventions. Oh, Brittany, bitch. Brittany Rose. Yes, Brittany, how are you? I don't know if she has time in her life to listen to our show. I know she's meant to, and she has apologized profusely to me for not listening, but she also lives a very, very busy life. Uh, Brittany just recently got engaged, and I'm super happy for her because her fiancé is a super cool dude. They've been together for a really long time. They are like a perfect couple the way they complement each other. She is such a good person. She is so much fun. She is, she might actually be a bigger gamer than we are. I believe it. Yeah. And she's, and she's good too. She knows her shit. We actually talked to her at one point about coming on and being a co-host on this show. And if her schedule allowed it, she was, she was up for it because for a nerd culture style show, she would be a a great co-host. Um, by the way, that offer is still out there. If we ever brought in a fourth permanent co-host, we've kind of collectively agreed that a girl would be the best way to do it. So that offer is out there if you think you could handle it and be interesting enough and be dedicated enough to do this with us once a week. Uh, so, Brittany, that offer's out there. Being all inclusive and whatnot. I know. We're so great. Pat ourselves <laughs> on the back. Uh, but Brittany is one of those interventions people that... We became friends while we were there, and we hung out a bit, but her and I actually got closer after I left because she was one of the people who chose to maintain the friendship and put the effort into it. And when people put effort into maintaining a friendship with me, I reciprocate usually times two at the least, sometimes times ten. Because that's kind of how I've learned to value my friendships over the years. And Brittany, if you are listening to this, this is your personalized shout-out from Eric and I. Do we have any good stories about Brittany that we can tell? I know uh, I I know I messed with her a lot in the presenter roles, but I don't have like a specific story that comes to mind. No. Other than I just generally messed with her. Yeah, I, I think there's been a few times where I messed with her, like uh, it's going to sound terrible position wise, <laughs> but like she would want to go somewhere, and I would tell her no, and then she would I'd send her somewhere else for like a hot second so she thinks she's going to be there but then actually send her to the position she wanted that's actually pretty funny <laughs> I that a lot do you remember Melissa? of course i do so there was one time she wanted to go home i think i have shared this story before now that i'm thinking about it but 
if I didn't, I'm going to say it again anyway. So uh, Melissa was one of these cast members who would always ER and whatnot. And she asked me one day to ER where we were completely overstaffed. So it wasn't a problem. Um, but she's like, but can you wait until after my lunch? Because if she were to uh, ER, which is early, early release, uh, she wouldn't get that lunch. So she wanted me to wait until after she had it. So I was like, okay, that's not a big deal. Um, but the thing about lunches at uh, at Disney was that if you clocked out for your lunch, you were not on the clock. So I couldn't do anything with your schedule while you're not on the uh, on the clock. So she went on lunch, and then as she was coming back, she was just like, can I get my ER now? And I was like, uh, no. Uh, unfortunately, you waited too long, and I sent everybody that wanted to go home home. So now you got to stay the rest of the day. And she was so pissed off. She's, she's like, you told me I could go. I'm just like, sorry, there's nothing I can do. I can't, I can't do anything. And she started cursing me out and everything. And I'm laughing because I know she's generally pissed off at me. Like 100%. <laughs> you also know that you, you also know you're going to make her regret everything she's saying. Right, right. Uh, and I did this all because I can't touch her schedule until she clocks back in. So I'm just fucking with her. Because now she doesn't want to clock back in. And the only thing that's keeping her here is now her. And so she's fighting with me. And I'm laughing and smiling. She's angry because she thinks I'd fucking, I'm fucking i doing this on purpose, which I kind of am. And then she clocks back in and, and gets somebody's bump out. <laughs> that's the fucked up part is I let <laughs> her get somebody else's bump out. <laughs> and then she went out, got them. They went home. And then I, I gave her the ER so she literally was out there for less than less than a minute because the next person <laughs> to clock in got her bump out and she's like what's this shit and just like your er i couldn't give it to you while you were on lunch i was waiting for you to clock back in she's like you're such an asshole <laughs> I'm like yeah i know that's <laughs> awesome but that's exactly what i would have done too <laughs> that's exactly how i would have handled that all right uh next shout out i'm gonna give a personal friend shout out to my buddy chris decker uh, Dan has interacted with Decker in the past. You know, a couple times. Uh, Eric's been in the same room as Chris Decker because he was at the wedding. I don't know if... Uh... To be fair, that was a very large room. Yeah, there was. Uh... Yeah, there were over 100 people there. Um, I've known Chris Decker since, I'm going to say about... I, I ha- it has to be about 05 or 06. I was already in the wrestling business when I met him, and I met him at the college because I was already close with John Salinas. And Decker's a huge Decker's so much of a wrestling fan, but he knows he knows the Mexican and Japanese and independent stuff like the back of his hand. He knows a lot of the obscure stuff, so I can't really he he fills in my, my a lot of my wrestling history knowledge is like mainstream history going back to like the NWA and and everything like that. But he he can tell me the history of, like, obscure independent promotion from New Jersey. Yeah. And that was, like, the last time I spoke, we were real, kept on <clears throat> talking about early to mid-aughts, independence. Have you been on the A-Show yet? No, I haven't been on yet. Okay. So he hosts the A-Show here on CKCC Radio with Ref Matt Derline. And the idea behind the show is they take a wrestling roster from an era and then you got we take turns drafting our perfect roster out of those people 
and then we build a show out of it, and then you vote on Twitter who will actually win. Uh, I've won. I, I, I did win the week I was on, so I got to compete in the Tournament of Champions, although I did lose to George Gatton. But that's okay, because George went on to the finals and only lost because he lost to the guy who invented the game, which was uh, Sposto, the inventor of the game. Yeah, the inventor of the game, who created this game. So that that was one of those ones where it's like, okay, yeah, I'm okay with this, because the guy who kicked my ass at least made it to the finals. Um. Chris is the only one of the hosts who has... Matt's won twice. Chris has never won. So now it's, like, become a thing where I just... Before I even listen to the show, I just vote for him. In the hopes that he'll at least win one of these weeks. Sorry, buddy. He almost kicked my ass with his bullshit show about the Great Balls of Maven. That you voted for, Dan. I'm still salty about that, by the way. Hey, dude. Great Balls of Maven. Get the GTFO. GTFO. Um, but besides his wrestling knowledge, he's a big he's a big sports fan. He's a big Red Sox fan. He's a big Eagles fan. I'm trying to remember if if he's a if he's a hockey fan or not. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know those are two of the big ones. Um, and he loves his MMA. In fact, we used to go. We used to watch UFC pay per views at Hooters when that was still a thing, where you could like go watch the pay per view at the local the local eatery and bar and everything. And watching these events with Decker was so much fun because he would get so angry at the television and be the guy that would, like, shout at the fighters from the bar. Like, Georgia St. Pierre, you little faggot piece of shit, take the punch! (laughs) Like, he was just, I was like, and I'm looking around like, God, I hope nobody's going to start a fight with us because of this guy. (laughs) But... He, he was always fun to go to sporting events with because he would get super into them and super riled up. And you you can't hate on passion like that. Uh, so he... he oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> he's been a close personal friend of mine since all the way back in 05 or 06. Uh, we helped break him into the wrestling business where he became a referee. Became a damn good one, too. He recently moved to South Carolina with the family to take a really good job down there. And I know he's happy because he's closer to his family. And though I miss him up here in the area, I wish him all the best. He was a groomsman at my wedding. He had a he had an adventure getting down there. His fiance's family drove and didn't let him drive at all. And it took them a full 24 hours to make the trip, which put him in a foul Holy. mood. Fuck, dude. Yeah, he was, and they wouldn't like let him drive, and it just took forever. He was in a foul mood over that because he had no control over the situation and knew that it took forever. So you know, what we he did. He could have done that in eleven hours <laughs> with meals. E, maybe not eleven for coming from the Scranton area, but definitely not twenty-four. Uh, it's eleven. It takes eleven hours to get from Syracuse to here. He's coming from. Less further north, slightly further south. No, it's because I've done Orlando to where he used to live. Literally where he used to live. Uh, and yeah, it's it was it was 19 hours to make the trip. To Orlando, not to just barely in South Carolina or whatever. Oh, yeah. Well, th- I'm talking about coming to the wedding. I'm, co- I'm talking about the wedding trip, not, not South he Carolina. Lives, he lives like... He lives like four hours... Less two to three hours further south than where I go when I go to New York, and he has to live within two hours further 
further south than me, so he like that could have been ten, eleven hours. Uh, no, because like I With said, this is breaks. not South Carolina. We're talking about Orlando. He didn't. Mo- uh, they took him all the way to Orlando so he could move to South Carolina. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the story of him coming to our wedding. I said he oh. moved to South Carolina recently, but I'm saying when he came down for the wedding, he had a rough trip. Okay. He I didn't a, I must have missed the wedding part. Yeah. He had a really, really rough trip. He arrived the morning of. Uh he also Skyped with us when he did his tux fitting and literally brought the camera into the dressing room with him and just starts taking his shirt off. And of course, I got my wife walks in, sees me, Joe, and CJ crouched around my computer, and she sees Decker without his shirt on. She's like, What are you guys watching? <laughs> and of course Joe Joe's like, Oh, I don't want to see this shit. But but uh, but he's a good guy. He's really funny. Oh, and to finish up that story, uh, the morning of, to make him feel better after the arduous drive, we took him to Waffle House. And that literally made it all better. They even stopped to sleep? No, they did the whole thing continuously, which made him even more nuts. That means they stopped at every single rest stop for at least a half hour. Probably. Every and, single rest stop. And, he, and a couple of gas stations just because... Well, he said it was one of those deals where, like, they, they weren't planning it. They weren't they weren't stopping to, to do, like, the gas, food, and piss break. They would take separate stuff, and he was getting annoyed about that. I understand exactly where he's coming from with this. I, I get it. I would have been annoyed, too. But we made him feel better. He had a great time. He gave a speech at the wedding, because I asked him to. He famously said the Yankees blow during his speech, which I thought was hysterical. Also, my over-90 grandmother was in attendance, so thanks for that. <laughs> Thanks for saying my very deeply religious over over ninety grandmother was in attendance. So thanks for that. He's like he's I like mean, I'm sure she's heard worse. Yeah, he's like I love you like a brother. The, the, the Yankees blow. <laughs> I was like oh cool. Well thanks. Uh, he does have a one man show that he only releases episodes for when he's in the mood. It's called Ced Talks. Take on TED Talks. C E D being his initials. And recommend listening to it there. They're unfiltered, uncensored rants, and they're they're pretty damn entertaining. But good good friend, good brother. I won't make the next shout-out quite as long, but I'm going to give a shout-out to my wife's best friend who's in the group, Kate. Because Kate is visiting the area tomorrow and spending my wife's spending the day with her. They are the same person. They have the same interests. They laugh at the same jokes. They entertain each other. Endlessly. It's the perfect best friend for my wife. And she's awesome, and her fiancé, Jake, is awesome, too. So, shout out to you, Kate. And we, kind we of miss you in the area. When two people are very much the same, they can tend to uh, clash a lot. No, they, they get along but really, these two really well. Very, very well. Really, really well, yeah. Uh, let's do a shout out that Eric and I can both do now. Eric, you remember our friend Patrick from Interventions? Oh, of course, yes. His last name is a Pokemon region. It's Owen. Yeah. It's actually, actually not, but... At uh, the next area, too. So after Interventions, we met again at uh, Hollywood Studios. Ha! We meet again, sir. Like, Did you show up as coordinators and go, there can be only one, and then have a duel? No. No, we should have. (laughs) You should have. You should have. Oh, it's fine. There's always, 
there's always time to duel again. Uh, Patrick, we met him at Interventions, but he is making a go at his Disney career. He's really making a good... He's been all over the place. We're going to have to have him on Park Hopper to talk about his his career because he really has done a lot. And he's got some great stories, I'm sure. But he was always a really fun guy to talk to and hang out with. Oh, yeah. Good friend. Like, solid. Like, I can't think of anything bad to say about him. Because even when we joked around heavily... He would. He was there to participate, but he never did anything too extreme. Never crossed any boundaries. You know what I mean? Like, no. I feel like exactly. Even I crossed the line from from time to time. Oh, Eric, you didn't just cross the line. You skipped. You skipped away from it gleefully. Well, I mean, if I'm gonna pass the line, I'm gonna do it by a long shot. I'm not gonna <laughs> tiptoe around it. <laughs> yeah. No. Good dude. Really good dude. And I hope he's doing really well with his Disney career because. He was always a really good friend, and he was always he participated in a bunch of game nights at my place. And yeah, I'm, I miss Patrick. I wish we could again. He's one of those guys. I wish we lived closer because I would love to actually, uh, I'd love to actually hang out with him again. Uh, let's do a shout out for um, the Club Kayfabe days. How about a shout out to our friend Taylor Chadwick, Dan? Hmm, Taylor. The Taylor, yes. Uh, Taylor Chadwick, we actually connected with him because his his uh, uncle Corey is act was actually one somebody who joined my original eFed back in the day, the online fantasy wrestling. It's one of those situations where his uncle is only like two years old. Yeah, because so they're so they're, they 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 act like cousins and brothers pretty much, but they're technically uncle and nephew. But yeah, he is. Uh, Corey's a good dude, too, but I don't think he's actually in this group, I don't think, so I can't give him a shout-out. I can't personalize a shout-out for him that he's going to hear, but unless he is actually listening to the show, in which case... He's, he's a guitar and metal guy, and if you see him on Instagram, he's got... He's rocking Oh, yeah. Guitar. He's really good, too, Taylor, with the guitar. He's really good. In fact, he was on a couple of our Club Cafe podcasts back in the day, and he played guitar for us. Yeah, he would just randomly... <laughs> just <laughs> randomly bust out some riffs, because why the hell not? That's another thing that Decker's really talented at, is the guitar. And all all instruments related, to. But yeah, Taylor Taylor's a cool guy. He's a, he's a big gamer guy. He's big into nerd culture, so I know the show's right up his alley. He's a funny dude. He's a Cali guy, so I don't interact with him that much because of the time zone difference. Kind of like our friend Eddie. Who's on the East who's, Coast right now? Yeah, he's in New York. Yeah, I think he, I think at the moment we are recording, he's watching Book of Mormon. I believe so, and I uh, and he's gonna love it. But yeah, Taylor's a really good guy. I think he would be a fun guest to have on this show at some point. <clears throat> and again, really good guitar dude. Good, the good, good on the guitar, dude. Uh, he good. looks like Tim the Tatman. Who, by the way, I grew up with Tim the Tatman. <laughs> I've known him since he was, like, in pre-kindergarten. All right. I'm going to do a two-for-one shout-out here. I want to give a shout-out to the couches, Heather and Russell, my friends from Kilimanjaro Safari. They did the college program with me back in 08. That's how they met. They are now married. And they uh, they actually took in a French exchange student who played Among Us with us. 
Ah, yes. Hippos. <clears throat> who I'm not sure if they're still in contact with or not, but I- I'm sure they are. Uh, Russ and Heather were both safari drivers, like I said, and they 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 live in Texas together. They live in Houston, and I believe Russ is Texas native, but I believe he was more Dallas than Houston. Heather, I believe, it was native from Michigan. She was she was from the north, but they settled in down there. I believe. I know that Heather is heavily involved in the theater scene. I believe she does. I believe she actually puts on performances, which is really cool. Russ is an engineer, a legitimate working on the railroad type of guy, which is really cool. Um, It's hard to to stay in touch with the two of them because they are very busy people, but we still chat every now and again. And like I said, they're, they're good people. They've played among us with us. Heather has some business ambitions that I hope sincerely work out for her because she would be great at them. And I know Russ would be along for the ride there. So special. I mean, I've heard that when you're working on the railroad, it's all the live one. It sure is. Uh, speaking of people who are producers, we'll do two more shout outs here. One from the Dan grab bag and then one from the Eric grab bag. Uh, Dan, let's give a shout out to our friend Maurice. Speaking of people think, who are producers, hey, Maurice and B Side Studios, you want to help us out there, brother? <laughs> so, Maurice, uh, he, he is. He, he makes plays, and he's starting to make like shows and stuff. Yeah, he's a, he's a legitimate producer, a legitimate show producer in Chicago. Yeah, in like the second city, like, he like wrote like a short play like four or five years ago and like now he's like making like web television he gets he gets like independent wrestlers with some name value like jordan grace to advertise his shirts for him yeah and now he's like getting actors and i'm like hey wait i think i've seen that person before. yeah he's getting yeah he's 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 becoming big maurice we should have him on here to interview him actually i think you guys would be really fascinated with him but yeah, he's he's from Chicago, so he's is, he's not doing this in a small market either. Like, that's the thing, right? Like, he's in one of the biggest cities in the United States, CM Punk territory, brother. What do you think of when you think of Chicago? Ferris Bueller, CM Punk, the Cubbies, Wind, Gangsters. Well, now now we want you to think of Maurice. CM Punk dresses a gangster for John Cena's entrance at WrestleMania 22. Oh my God! Yes, that is a thing that happened. I can't with you guys. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> so there are times when wrestlers have a more overly elaborate entrance, and it's usually and at need, a WrestleMania. They need, they need extras for part of the entrance. A lot of the times, those extras are wrestlers that they recently signed under developmental contracts. And in the case of Russell, in the case of John Cena's WrestleMania 22 entrance, he had a bunch of Chicago gangsters in his entrance, and one, one of them, them was CM Punk because they were in Chicago. So he did the Al Capone thing. He even came out he with a Tommy also, gun. He also like was about to get signed. Yeah. Because he got signed like a month or two later. And there's all CM Punk. And then, yeah, so Maurice is going to, we want Maurice to become as synonymous with Chicago as CM Punk is. 
That's that's the goal we want for our buddy here. I know Maurice used to do a podcast with our friend Danny. I don't know if they still do that, though. I don't think so. I don't think they do. I know which Danny is engaged. Yes, he is. Quick shout out to him. But yeah, uh, yeah, Maurice, if you're listening to this, bud, first off, yeah, give us a shout out, too. (laughs) But uh, if you want to come on here and talk about B-Side Studios, dude, like you have an open invitation. Because you're a good dude, and I know we would we would have a very entertaining conversation. Maurice D. Prophet. Look him up, y'all. He's a legitimate guy, and he's going to be big. All right, let's do one more shout-out for this week. Eric, I'm going to pull one out of the Interventions grab bag. Are you ready? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on. Before you pull someone out for Interventions, why don't we, why don't we talk about somebody who's been on the show that I don't believe we've mentioned yet and that we both kind of know because we both interviewed him. Okie doke. I'll give you a hint. He was talking about making his drum set. Andy? Yeah. I mean, I'll give Andy in a long time. Well, Andy is not on the Facebook, so he wouldn't be on my list of memberships. Andy does listen to the show. You know what? I will give him a shout-out. I'm still going to pull one out of the grab bag, but I will give him a shout-out. Okay. Yeah. Andy is Andy's awesome. So Andy and I go back to college as well, and Andy was a drummer in a band called Quarter Inch Fuse, which you guys heard of when you heard that interview. And he's building his drum kit again. It looks friggin' awesome. His, uh, his son is practicing on the drums now, so we know he's going to be a drummer. But yeah, Andy... Andy's such a cool dude because he's one of the nicest, friendliest guys you'll ever meet. But he looks like the guy that would be bouncing you out of a club because he's like 6'6". He's like legitimately 300 pounds, but he's lost a considerable amount of weight, but he's still got the size to him. He's a big dude covered in tattoos. He's got tons and tons of ink. I'm I'm just picturing like Kratos. Yeah. And I remember he had the picture... The old picture of him where he had he had the bald head, the thick goatee, he had the sunglasses on and the wife beater on, and he had, was, he had his arms folded so he looked like he could just mess up your day. But yet, when uh, he and I were hanging out at Disney, it's like a little kid in a, candy, in a candy store. He loves his Disney, and Andy understands and appreciates the significance of Epcot, by the way. Like I, that's that's crucial. He understands and how amazing it is. And then it never got is. to be what it was supposed to be. Yes, but Spaceship Earth is always the first thing he does when he gets there. That's tradition. Can you imagine? Can you have you ever thought about like what would have happened there if Walt didn't die when he died? I think. I and think he actually well, got to try that city of tomorrow. I wonder myself. I really think the world would be a different place if Walt did not die. I feel like Epcot would have shown the world what is possible. And I feel like there would have been more. I don't know. I feel like the world would have been driven more for a more sustainable or renewable way of living, I guess. Well, somebody go on freeze him. So yeah, may go get his head, put it in a jar. <laughs> yeah, Futurama style. Yep. 
All right. So, yeah, Andy Andy deserves a shout-out. All right. Here's our last one. I'm going to pull one from the Interventions lineup. You ready, Eric? Yep. You remember Nolan. I do remember Nolan. <laughs> Nolan? Get Nolan. Nolan. Horsemen, really. Yeah. So, Nolan, Nolan, Nolan is how – because, you know, in, in wrestling, the Four Horsemen was actually five people. Nolan became the honorary fourth, uh, fifth horseman in our group because he wanted to tag along and be mischievous like the rest of us, but he still possessed the mature enough bone to never take it as far as we did. He was yeah. thoroughly entertained by what we did, but he never actively participated in what we did. He was an enabler, is what he was. He was. He's like, I'm not going to do this shit, but but if it, you guys are going to. But I it's really around. It's yeah. really fun watching you guys do it. Between you, me, Paul, and Josh during the days before, we all got responsibilities. When we were just regular-ass cast members who could do what we wanted, we caused so much chaos at that ride, but that's why everybody enjoyed working with us. Yeah. <laughs> and when all four of us were out together, or there was a combination of us on a platform, it was just all hell would break loose. Like there was, That was one thing that I really missed, like... If you think about some of all thrills, when we all worked at some of all thrills, there was hardly a bad team combo. Like everybody that worked there, we all knew each other very well, and everybody was super cool. It was a small attraction, though, which I think was part of it. I think that had a lot to do with it, too, because there really weren't that many positions, right? There was... There was the greeter, the the design person. Uh, I don't remember the position where you handed out the cards. Merge, I think, or something like it, that. It was techni- pre-show, technically a merge. Pre-show, yeah. There's pre-show, design, greeter. Yep. Two groupers. Two groupers. Two then... robos per person, so the platform had three apiece. And then you had somebody out at the test seat. Because the so rotations I... were only four or five positions deep, right? Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. I think they were broken up into I can't remember. It was I think it was broken up into two different rotations. Yeah, there were 10 official positions because each rotation had 5. Yeah. And I and I just named 10 positions. So yeah. So yeah, and especially if we were all in a in a rotating position together, then that was just ah, that was chaotic. They had the robots split up though, remember? Like you would do you would do a ground position, then you'd go to a robot, then you'd do another position, then you'd go to a robot. And then you'd have your last position. Yeah, I thought that was kind of, like, dumb. I was just like, just get us out of there. Just put, like, Robo, Grouper, Robo, down, and then home or something like that, you know? Yeah, like, like Greeter, Pre-Show, Robo, Grouper, Robo, and then, like, Design, Robo, Grouper, Robo, Test Vehicle would have made sense. More than likely, but but whatever. We're not here to discuss that. But yeah, but because Nolan was full-time, and there weren't that many full-timers on that ride with actual seniority, he was always opening, and we always opened together. So we had a lot of fun. Uh, Nolan's only a few years older than I am, but so, so we could relate to a lot of stuff, because he always wore his Legends of the Hidden Temple shirt when I had him over for Halloween. He was a red jaguar, by the way, in case anybody just, was curious. Okay, I was like, it was a specific shirt? Or just a yeah, tenure? a red jaguar, of course. And I remember that. But Nolan's one of the guys who, 
made an effort to stay friends after I left Interventions, and not everybody did. So I, I appreciate him. And he attended the wedding. I know he had a good time. He's in our Interventions family photo from the wedding, because we all got together to take a picture. Uh, we And he was the honorary horseman, because before we all started getting responsibility and we had to knock that shit off, we caused controlled chaos everywhere we went. And he loved it. It, I don't have any good stories about him, but I bet if we had him on the show, he could tell really funny stories about that place. He yeah. would he would participate in some of the stuff. Like, remember when Josh invented Hide the Purple Cards? Do you remember that? Uh, I don't. So Josh would take... He, he only did this with purple cards, so if a guest actually found it, it wouldn't be an issue, Right. Because then CP started doing it with red cards to try to copy us, and then we got in trouble for that, and we had to stop doing it, and I'm still salty about those CPs being jerks. Josh would take a random purple card, and he would just be like, I hit a purple card. And all he would do is give me a general vicinity as to where it was, but he never told me exactly where. And I always... I I usually found them, but he was... He put them in some of the most obscure spots, like behind the television in the pre-show room. But like... You'd have to, like, really peek in there, and you could just see the corner of the purple card sticking out. Or, like, in a ceiling panel where you could just make out that there was a card up there. I think he even hid one in, like, the fire, like, the fire, the firewall or something. Like, the, oh my God. like, he was, he always hid them in places where, and he's just like, there's a purple card up here. Like, he would just say it and then just giggle. And it would drive me nuts because I needed to know where the card was. How am I supposed to be up on this platform and concentrate when I know that there's a purple card here and he knows where it is and he's laughing at me? Well, Nolan figured out how to play that game too and it turned out he was really good at it. Just like Josh. Bastards. <laughs> Bastards messing with me. And they, and they always got me with it too because I was the one that always reacted to that stuff. That's why our, uh, our other friend, Paul... Who, was, who worked as a presenter, used to mess with us in the house. Like, if, if I had a show with him after Vision House, he'd, like, leave the cookies in the kitchen. Like, they had the uh, the cookie tray in the oven. He'd, like, leave them on the counter. <laughs> so when you walk in, you're supposed to talk about the oven and pull out the cookie sheet. And I'm like, well, the cookies are already out, so that ruined that part. Or he'd put, like, a piggy bank sticker in the toilet. So when you would show off the automatic toilet where you put your foot in front of the lid and the lid comes up, there'd be a piggy bank sticker in there. I'd be like, oh, you son of or like a habit hero ribbon or something, just sitting in there. There's no water in the tank because it wasn't it wasn't actually hooked up to anything. But <sighs> I do remember one day. This is like a separate story where we didn't have we were shorthanded like normal, and I asked <laughs> the um, I, I I almost said their name. I asked the vision house person to just be my greeter and. He he's just like, oh, but I, I was going to do a tour. And I looked over and saw no one in line. And then I looked at him and he laughed. And he's like, all right, I'll do greeter. <laughs> 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 uh, and then I was just like, he's like, what do I do? Just like, I mean, if they're, we, we pretty much got everything. Just make sure that they're at least this tall and don't let any ECVs in. And I'm not going to mention any names, but they had a cane and they're in a wheelchair sometimes. All right, so you know who it is. Uh, I was gone for less than five uh, minutes. I come back, and there's two ECVs in line. 
And I was like, you fucking bastard. You had one job and you failed twice. Well, to be fair, the person you're talking about couldn't do the one job he was there to do in the first place. That's true. Uh, I wish Jeff was on the show this week. Jeff would <laughs> Jeff would have had some opinions there. I can't wait to Jeff. Please go to the comment section as soon as you hear this part of the show. Please go to the comment section. He's going to know immediately who we're talking about. He's going to be so mad. I'm just like, come on, man. Oh no, but yeah, you're well. Eric, unfortunately, that that one may have possibly been on you too for yeah, tricking that, that person. That was on me. <laughs> you literally had one job and you couldn't do it. I remember one time, I don't remember who it was. Somebody watched the Safari Greeter, who wasn't a Safari person and was making all the strollers park. Even though that was the one attraction where we told them bring the strollers inside. Because you parked them inside. And I remember they, they came back like 10 minutes later and there was just strollers parked everywhere. And they're like, they're like, why are you doing that? Oh, I, I didn't know. We told you what to do. You literally stand there. Safari greeter was the easiest greeter position in Disney because you, all you did was stand there and answer questions and trade pins. You had nothing else to do. The fast pass line was around the corner. So it's not like any of those people were coming to you. They're just asking you where to go for fast pass. So you just stand there and greet people as they walk in. It was the easiest position ever, and someone still managed to screw it up. I'm going to have a coughing fit with my sinuses just ranting about these people. Thanks, assholes. I don't actually, and and I can't botch the person's name and accidentally say who it was, because I don't remember who it was. I just remember hearing the story. I was there the day it happened, but I didn't witness it. But people were laughing about it afterwards. So, you know. They can't all be winners, but the person you mentioned was not a winner in any way, shape, or form. And I know for a fact that they are no longer employed by the company and not by their choice. Oh, I did not know that. I didn't know that. Oh, do you want to explain what happened? Um, I don't actually know the details. Uh, also, I'm not going to talk about someone getting fired on the show publicly. That's not for my position to say. Uh, Unless it's like a really funny story like, oh, the guy spit on me, so I punched him in the face. And I blacked out doing so. Uh, well, I didn't black out. I just kind of lost my fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I started shooting. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. <laughs> you went full on Frank Reynolds for that one. So anyway, started shooting. So I am starting to feel very, very woozy and sleepy. Well, you know what? We put we put an hour and 40 minutes into the show. And I think very I'm... So we, we still gave everybody what they wanted. But before we wrap up, I do know that Dan had two things he wanted to talk about. So I'd like to just turn the floor over to him. And that's how we'll close this week's show. Well, it's, um, I would say, the third biggest wrestling show for New Japan tonight. Yes. That's something I'm looking forward to watching tomorrow before we do Among Us. Some cool stuff. Got some titles on the line. It's going to be awesome. Grand Theft Auto. And then it's also Grand Theft Auto is coming out on Thursday. 
the, the, the three, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so all three of them showed up on my Switch today, and it's like, haha, you can't play until release date, and I'm like, that is the biggest tease ever. Yep. So yeah, my thing is I can download six games. Because I get the PS5 and the PS4 version. Oh, jeez. Hey, uh, um, how are you gonna how are you gonna do it? Are you gonna do three Vice San Andreas? That's what I'm gonna. Yeah, do. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it in release order. In release order. That's what I'm gonna do too. So that'll be Thursday. So I'll probably be streaming that all weekend next weekend. But there's a big thing because uh, on next Friday is it on Friday. So it'll probably happen, and then we'll have to talk about it afterwards. But Disney Plus Day because the 12th is when Disney Plus launched. And this is the second anniversary. They're doing a bunch of stuff on Friday next week. Ooh, that sounds fun. There's going to be a teaser trailer for Kenobi. There's going to be a real oh. clip for the Rogue One series Andor. Oh. There's going to be a behind-the-scenes video <laughs> for Book of Boba and Mandalorian Season 3. Oh. There's going to be a teaser for Bad Batch Season 2. Oh. Multiple announcements about new projects, including a potential Darth Maul animated series. All right, I think I need to just mute at this point. That's just Star Wars stuff. There is <laughs> going to be Shang-Chi is going to be on regular Disney Plus But that wait, day. there's more. There's all the Marvel stuff, which I only have a thing about the Star Wars stuff. Listen to that So there's just a ton of announcements and a ton of new stuff is hitting the thing. So, can you believe it's been uh, two years already since Disney Plus came out? Yeah, I got like a week after it came out. You know why? Because the pandemic happened, and that felt like five years. That's why it feels like Disney Plus has been around forever. The thing about the pandemic is it's felt like five years and five months at the same time. I know. Yeah, it's really so. Some things that happened before the pandemic feels like it was a lot of time ago and two days ago, and also two days ago. Um. So Marvel stuff graduated during the fucking pandemic. I got to imagine the kids who like started high school and like they're walking back into school like these last two months for the first time and they're like juniors. Yep, <laughs> junior. <laughs> like I'm walking into my high school for the first time ever. I'm a junior. Well, son of a bitch. Yeah, what a weird thing, but yeah. Cool, so a lot of stuff coming up to talk about. Check us out on ckccradio.com. Check out our partner shows, Blake and Sal Show, celebrating 400 episodes. United We Fan Podcast with Mark and Brian. I believe I already gave Mark his personalized shout-out. So he's covered. Did I give Mark a personal shout-out yet, or is he still on the list here? No, if he... No, he's still on the list. He... he uh, you're, it's coming, buddy. And uh, Tom Dickinson hasn't gotten his personalized shout-out yet, but you can check him out on YouTube at Watch Me Cook. With Tom, remember our sponsor, emersoncotton.intellitravel.com. And remember that Extra Life Day, Saturday, November the 6th at 4 p.m. I will probably start the stream a few minutes early to do some prep work and get started, but we want to try to start gaming right around that time. And one final shout-out to my awesome job for helping promote the event and getting extra eyes on it. And hopefully that'll lead to a few more donations for the Children's Miracle Network. So thank them very much. I know a couple of them have been listening to the podcast that I've been producing because they've been talking about bringing me in for a project. So there you go. So we appreciate you guys sticking with us. We, I appreciate Eric sticking with us because I know he just, he's just done. He wants to go to bed and you know what? I kind of do too. And I'm also hungry. So I'm going to get some food and then I'm going to go to bed. 
so I can be nice and rested up for extra life day as my wife has a day out with her girlfriend. I know she's going to enjoy immensely. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a good day. Final thoughts, gentlemen? I think, uh, thinks things are looking up. Things are looking up. Things yeah, are looking good. Yeah. Well, Eric, please tell us about Patton Oswalt next week. I, I actually look forward to hearing about how much you enjoyed his stand-up because, like I said, I think he's hysterical in person. I laughed my ass off when I saw him. So I hope you have the same experience. And uh, and Dan, I hope you just have the greatest time ever watching your New Japan show. And I hope that the matches kick ass and I hope your favorites come away victorious. Especially because isn't this the event where we find out the main event of Wrestle Kingdom? Essentially, yeah, there's a world title match and a right to the title match. So. Ah, that sounds good. Shingo's fighting Zack Sabre Jr. and Jan- Okada's defending the, defending the right to trap to... Uh, God, January 4th is almost here. Yep. Uh, I also have my birthday off. It's a Wednesday this year, but I might do a special streamer podcast during my birthday. If anybody wants to participate, you will be welcome. Wednesday the 17th. Well, there's going to be a huge chunk of the day where the, the supercard will be under maintenance before they release the new season, so. <laughs> well, then it looks like you're covered. All right. So uh, I'll be open for a good chunk of that period of time. Sounds good. And I am looking to launch my uh, streaming show, Super Nintendo Melee, where I play the SNES library. First debut episode will be Super Mario World, because I'm going in release order. So look forward to that. Maybe we'll do that on my my birthday. So everybody out there, have a great day. As Eric said, be excellent to one another. And we will see you guys next week back here at the Nerd Table. This has been another episode of the Nerd Table on CKCC Radio. Check out all the shows at CKCCRadio.com and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.